DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk with Ryan Lacey, former Utah cornerback. If you follow his Twitter feed, you know that he has uh, tweeted out about uh, Morgan Scally saying that he directed racial slurs at him. And we will talk with Ryan Lacey about that coming up at 9 o'clock. David Locke is going to join us here momentarily. The Utah Jazz ramping up, getting back to action. They have uh, Woj tweeting out the new date is no longer July 31. It's now July 30. So we're inching closer, less than seven weeks now, to the start, the restart of the NBA season. We'll talk with David Locke about that. I think he's doped out everybody's record now. He's got uh, every team in their eight games. He's got it all figured out. Every team? I wouldn't say every team, but certainly the Jazz. And the teams around him. He's probably figured out the Rockets and the Thunder and the Nuggets. There's very little separating three, four, five, and six. We'll talk with David here momentarily. And apparently Yach's having a really good chat with him right now. <laughs> I think he's got him on his phone already. About what? I don't know. I can't. I mean, they're in the other room. You know how it is. I can't hear him. But, man, he's got a little grin and he's chatting, so I don't know what the deal is. Uh, for the Jazz, if you haven't looked at the standings in a while, a game and a half behind the Nuggets, a game in front of the Thunder and Rockets. So anything can happen. I think it's a little... A little optimistic or negative to think more than that. Making up three games and eight to catch the Clippers, that seems like too much. And I wouldn't think they'd drop the two-and-a-half games to the Mavericks either. But we'll see how it plays out all starting July 30th. And uh, figuring out what to do to replace Bogdanovich and then replacing whoever replaces Bogdanovich, that's the task at hand. All right, time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And... His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are my friends this morning? Excellent. You? Apparently excellent also. I'm great. I did a whole basketball breakdown of Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal and looked at whether Bradley Beal's the model for Donovan going forward. Felt very felt very good to like do something like that. Why Bradley Beal, I'm afraid to ask. Well, because Bradley Beal jumps, you know, one shooting guard, point guard, hybrid. I think they're similar, 6'3", six, 6'1". Six, I think Donovan is 6'1", is a big 6'1". So I think that sense they're similar. Uh, Beal's jumped to 30 points a game scoring this year from 17 originally, then to 22, then to 26. Mm-hmm. And what did he, you know, what, what has he done? What's allowed him to make that jump? Donovan's on this kind of nice trajectory, but then floated around not always being totally efficient, and Bradley Beal's been able to get a bit more efficient, and so even while scoring 30 points a game, and so what are the what are the things you can see from Bradley Beal and what translates to Donovan Mitchell? You speak of this hybrid. Is that what it's going to be going forward, that that's not going to be the unusual? It's actually going to be the way the position is played? Well, I think it actually might have as much to do with the players like Joe Ingles or even a boy on Bogdanovich a little bit that everyone's going to be able to handle. And so, you know, when they, if you go back and look at like the Stockton Jazz, when Jeff Malone is the two, like he can't handle. Like they kept trying, we kept trying in the old days to give Jeff Malone a chance to to play the point guard, and it always was like a disaster. We always end up, you know, Delaney Rudd was so bad, we try it in the playoffs every year, and it wouldn't work. And then you've got Hornacek who could kind of do both things, and that was unique at the time. But 
Brian Russell couldn't handle and David Benoit couldn't handle and Ronnie Brewer in the Darren Williams era couldn't handle. But that's over. Every single player that comes in this league now is so skilled with so many um, things that they can do with the ball in their hands that there's no need to have the dominating single point guard player anymore. And so in, in as much as a hybrid, I think it has to do with how skilled every other player is. In the case of Donovan specifically, the number one thing, I mean, there's two things he really needs to do to his game, but one of them is find a way to actually get more catch and shoot threes. This is one of the, you know, three or four or five elite level catch and shoot shooters in the NBA. He's been over 40% catch and shoot three for all three of his first years. That's unheard of. Like, that, there are very, very few players that do it. And yet, he takes way more off the bounce threes than he does catch and shoot threes because he's always creating for himself. So, there needs to be a level where somebody else is at times creating and finding Donovan to allow him to use what is probably his best skill, his pure shooting. Of course, the question is, will he get those catch-and-shoot threes? Will anybody ever leave him? Because a lot of times you get those when guys rotate off you. But if you're shooting over 40%, they're not going to leave you, and those are going to be harder to get, even though he does have, well, obviously Conley and Joe Ingles to create. So if Bradley Beal's getting four a game, Donovan can get four a game. Going to have to screen for him then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it and what they're doing. And, you know, it's not as though Scott Brooks has thought of it as some offensive marvel. So are they doing it early? Or are they doing it? I don't know. I mean, the chances are I've done a bunch of studies this summer on when you get certain types of shots and where shots are effective in the shot clock and things of that nature. And, I mean, I think those are probably have to be a little early. Um, we're so great middle of the shot clock as a team. Um, one of the best in the league and, and – uh, become more efficient as, as we get into that middle range of the shot clock and do things that other teams can't do. That's our strength. How do you not lose that while maybe adding that early catch-and-shoot three or something of that sort to get that for someone like Donovan? I, I don't know exactly when they come, but that's worth that's worth looking into. Um, you know, Davis Bertans, Duncan Robinson, these players are changing the league, but they're six seven, six eight, and they're able to get their shots off with uh, at a high level three. And so the next, you know, that's why I use Bradley Beal for this conversation because you have to find out, you know, who the six one, who the six three guy is that's able to find a way to get those looks, and then particularly get those looks when the defense is zeroed in on. So I want to make sure you say his shooting is his best skill. Absolutely. Then and I actually other... untap, still untap. Like I actually think when you think of Clay Thompson, like coming around curls, catching on the wing elevating, squaring his shoulders, banging down that shot, that's in Donovan's repertoire. We haven't done it, you've done it yet, but that's in his game. What stuff does he need to improve on then to move up to get some other stuff at that level? Uh, he's got to get the foul line more, and he's got to get out of the floater zone into the rim. Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal has done something remarkable in his game in his ability to draw fouls. He's gone from like four free throws a game to eight. It's really unheard of. Um, and how he's doing it, he drew more fouls this season in whatever, 65 games than he did in 82 last year. So what he's done in that realm, I'm not sure. Worth looking into. Um, you know, his numbers are valuable. How, you know, film will tell you what's been done. Um, and then Beal has stayed out of that floater zone that Donovan has 
has kind of lived in a little more than he probably needs to. Donovan needs to move probably a shot a night out of the floater zone and to the rim and then add a shot a night at the rim and also draw some fouls. That's a huge ask right there. But he's capable. He's great. So only 10 guys in the league who average seven free throws a night. How does Donovan get into that group? Because a guy like Trey Young is already there. Doncic is a bigger guy, so I get why he's there. Um, but Beal, Damian Lillard, Trey right. Young. Those are the models. Yeah, those are. Yeah, those, yeah. those three, you've got to figure out, got to go watch what they're doing. And then I don't have it in front of me, but if you pull up basketball reference, what's Dame's? Dame used to have a lot of rim problems early in his career. Um, and he's evolved and gotten better. Uh, actually, he against Gobert is this like fascinating matchup on the evolution of both those guys' careers. Like early, Dane could never finish when Gobert was on the floor. Then he figured it out. Then Rudy figured back out how to guard out on the floor a little bit better. It's been a really interesting kind of if you look at that um, matchup. Uh, but it'd be interesting to look at the free throw progression that's taking place uh, in Dame's career. Trey Young is really incredibly awesome in a bunch of categories that lead you to believe that he, he's really, really special. Um, one of which is free throws for a player his size that his year in the second year in the league is unheard of. And the other one that's really interesting, David, is if you look at two metrics, one is Passes from the paint to shooters and also passes it, uh, to players at the rim. Almost all of the successful players to do that are Ben Simmons, LeBron James, James Harden, Luka Doncic. They're all 6'5 or bigger, and they're able to see over the defense and make that pass out. And the one name that's in all of those groups that doesn't seem to fit is Trey Young. It's incredible. Hey, curious if you have, uh, now that you've got the uh, schedule laid out here as far as eight regular season games in Orlando, if you've uh, doped that out for teams three, four, five, and six, how are Denver, Utah, Oklahoma City, and Houston likely to end up? And will any of them move out of that group? Might Dallas or the Clippers, you know, they're two and seven right now. Well, we don't have official schedules yet, so I have not done that. I, I'm hearing we'll get those in a few weeks. Um, so, I, you know, I don't – the thing that was reported conceptually is nice that you just kind of go through your schedule and find the teams that are of the 22 in the bubble and then play those it doesn't work perfectly mm-hmm. like it just does like i've done you can look at it and it doesn't line up exactly right to do that some teams would end up playing nine games some teams would play seven so there's going to be some adjustments so the fine you know i would you know at some point are the jazz really going to playing the spurs twice What's that last game? I think it's against Dallas. Will we play that game? Like, or will we end up playing somebody else? I, I'm not certain how this is going to play out. Eastern Conference is far more complicated. There's only nine teams there. So I, I, I'm waiting to see what – I think that's a ballpark of what we're doing, but I don't think it's actually a representation. You talk about Mitchell eliminating the floater and going to the rim. Is that just a matter of continuing to the rim? What does that actually mean? Um a great question, PK. Uh, so one of the things that's difficult is probably he's a two-foot jumper versus a one-foot jumper naturally. So some of it, I think, from a skill standpoint, um, without getting totally out of my realm of, and, and un- probably not understanding enough from a basketball realm to answer this question, uh, 
but that's my first kind of basketball take is learning how to use one foot a little bit. Um, there's probably a slight mentality change in there of right now and early in Donovan's career he became elusive and an ability to kind of get around the defense and use his wiggle to be able to avoid contact, and there's probably some aspect of being willing to, to take that contact. Um, he's such a great learner and, and has always shown that ability. Um, so there's some fine line in there that you're, you know, you got to be willing to have the contact at, at the rim rather than avoiding the contact as a floater. And then um, that's also how you're drawing fouls. The other one that's really interesting I looked into during this uh, period of time, I've done a lot of research projects that have yielded nothing. Um, every now and then I did something that came up with something, and that is where people draw fouls. And it's worth noting that actually most fouls are drawn in the paint, non-restricted areas, not at the rim. So I, my analytical take on this without any basketball coaching or knowledge on it is that the problem with the floater is that you've committed to the shot in a time period where Harden and Lillard and the guys drawing the foul are still keeping a dribble and drawing contact to draw a foul in that area. But I, from what I looked at where fouls are drawn, they're not drawn at the rim. The, the players, my guess on this, again, I'm guessing, is that players have gotten so good with verticality and understanding how to protect the rim that you actually aren't getting that foul call at the rim like you did in the old days. So you're having to get that foul call early by making contact off the bounce before you get to the rim and then committing to the shot there. Again, analytics are nice. Film work is the answer on David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Should Jazz fans get their hopes up? Mike Conley looked like he was playing his best basketball right before the season stopped. Now Bogdanovich is out, which means there's going to be more possessions, more shots available for somebody else. Is this perfect for Conley to kind of slide back? Not exactly, but more towards what his role was in Memphis. Yeah, maybe. I mean, certainly be awfully glad you have Mike Conley because you lose 20 points a game out of Boyan Bogdanovich and you want to know where we're going to find him. That, you know, you've got another guy who's averaged 20 points a game and hasn't been asked to do that is going to have to do it. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that Mike's value is going to be tremendous uh, at this point um, because of to, to pick up that slack. Uh, the other thing I think where Mike's going to be really, really valuable is if you want to write the script on how the Jazz win games, I think, you know, it's shooting. Uh, and you've lost Boyan Bogdanovich's 40% shooting, though Niang's going to take some minutes there, and he'll, he'll be able to match that, and Royce is going to have to shoot really, really well. Uh, but Mike's, you know, one of the elite shooters as well, and so how can you find some opportunities? I mean, you're going to have to really find a way to get a pick-and-roll game going with your three-point guards, Donovan, or three ball handlers, Donovan, Mike, and Joe, and have them being able to find open three-point shooters off of that game and and maybe a little bit of an accelerated piece as well, but we're going to be such a bad rebounding team that it's going to be hard to play with an accelerated pace when you've got to bring everybody back to rebound. Do you think going forward there, the guards are going to need to have the same type of skills, meaning they can be interchangeable and play both positions that Wolf Tree recognizes as a one and a two? 
I think you're going to have to be really, really special in this league to be under 6'4 in play. And it might get to be 6'5. So Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. But you're, when you're scouting players and looking at a collegiate player, if they're going to be a pro player, my thought right now is if you're under 6'4", 6'5", you better be really special. So the the backup six foot point guard is uh, is history. That's all done. They're going to be looking for guys in college who are uh, six five, six six, six seven, who can handle the ball and turn them into backup backup guards. I'm get, I, that's my guess. And if less, if you're six feet, six one, six two, you better have an off the bounce. Devonte Graham in Charlotte. I, I'm gonna. I don't have it in front of me. I'm gonna guess top ten off the bounce three point shooter right now. Like, you better have that um, if you're going to do, like, you know, but I'm just guessing where the trends are going. There is also a point where there aren't enough players in the cupboard that fit the description I'm talking about, uh-huh. and so therefore the other players exist still. Um, there might not be enough six foot four, six foot five players to actually fill your roster spots, and so then, you know, you you end up with the players that are doing – that, but like, like I love the draft. I don't know if it'll ever pan out, but I love the Mia One draft pick. Like he's long. He's six four, six five. Like, like he, like that just has got a chance to do all sorts of different things this league. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe he's going to be good enough. Maybe he's not. It's a late second round pick. The chances are he's not. But that type of player has has a chance. You know, I think the other one to look at is when you're we're just talking about draft and non-superstar players and you're trying to find a way in the league, I'm stealing someone's thoughts right now. So if he's listening, he can take this as a compliment. Um, but you got to have multiple paths to play if you're not a superstar. So if you're coming in the league and your only thing you can do is be a backup, you know, be a six-foot-tall point guard, then the only way you're going to play is if you either are better than the guy in front of you or, you know, I mean, there's only one path to play, right? That one position on the roster. If you're 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", there's multiple paths by which you play. You might be able to do this or that. You could play a little. It, it, you can fit into the rotation. Royce O'Neal is a great example of this, right? Royce O'Neal has played multiple different positions for the Jazz in different manners and excelled in almost all of them. Uh, and that's, he's had multiple paths to play. Frankly, Joe kind of fits into that a little bit. Like, he's long enough, and he's got ball handling skills, so he can play kind of some one, but he's big enough that if he has to guard a four, he can do that. And he plays some three, and he's athletic. his length makes him cover up for any deficiencies athletically if he's guarding. His length actually makes him a good athlete, kind of in an untalked-about way. Like, he's a good example of that. Royce is, you know, lacks athleticism, but is able to use his pure body strength to be able to slide anywhere between the two, three, and four and, and handle any of those positions defensively. His shooting's got good enough he can play. Um, so, he, you know, I, I think that's what I'm talking about, is that you have multiple paths to play to get into this league. If you're the six-foot-tall point guard, you better be really special. Well, from John Crotty to... Uh... 
Jacques Vaughn to Raul Neto. We, we've seen a lot of those guys come through town. I, I, I think maybe your other point is there just aren't enough Joe Ingles-sized guys who can handle the ball. Yeah, I, I think that every single player that comes in League Six Nine or below is going to be able. To, like, I mean, think about and know Brandon Ingram's really, really good, but like the, the the Brandon Ingram of the past didn't used to be able to handle. Right, that's new. Like, think about how many six nine guys in our league can handle. He's David Locke. He joins us every week right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. David, thanks for a few minutes. You bet. My pleasure. You guys are awesome. Keep it going. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski says the NBA is going to restart the season on July 30th. Originally been planned for July 31st, but they are going to move it up one day. Baltimore Ravens coach John Harbaugh voiced his frustrations Thursday over the guidelines sent to the 32 NFL teams outlining full procedures for the full reopening of their practice facilities. He says the spacing issues, communication issues, it's going to be humanly impossible. NCAA Division I Football Oversight Committee passed a six-week practice plan yesterday. If it's approved by the full Division I Council, BYU and Utah would open their fall camps on August 5th. Justin Rose, Harold Varner III tied atop the leaderboard after the first round of the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. They are both seven under. There are 15 players within two shots of the lead. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, do you think that there's going to be an asterisk or an emphasis placed on this championship? You know, if the Lakers win and you hate the Lakers, you'll put an asterisk next to it, right? Like, the world changed. It's a different model. It's going to be a different structure. The best way to define it is you will be the champion of the 2019-2020 season. Like, this is what the 2019-2020 season is, and this is who the champion is. And that's the same way, like, I think the Spurs asterisk is stupid. It was a 66-game schedule. That's what the season was. They were the champion. There's no other way to find a champion. I mean, it'll be a really strange moment to win a title in front of nobody. And in some ways, you know, maybe this is harder. Like, you've got to live without your family. You've got to build a new routine. You've got to motivate yourself without crowds. Like, maybe this is going to be much more difficult. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Just had David Locke on. And listen to your question, PK. It looked like you were formulating a thought, an opinion, maybe even a segment going forward about the uh, how versatile guards are going to have to be. And I would even lump the three men into that. I think most teams are going to want three guys out there who can initiate the offense. And I think everybody wants to be able to pick on the one guy who can't defend. And the more guys you have who initiate the offense, the more you can make teams switch until you get – the bad defender are on someone who can really attack him. And so I think that's one thing that right now is really driving the versatility. Everybody's got to be able to handle the ball. 
Well, yeah, as they continue to evolve in this game with a three-point shooting, clearly that if you, from the offensive perspective, you went from the defensive perspective, I would go from the offensive perspective. If you have a weakness there, that obviously strengthens the defense to allow them to do more stuff to send guys to different types of uh, players where they could defend and you end up with a weakness offensively. I don't know which one is more important. If you had to choose, you know, you're not going to have five great players out there at all times. If you are, you're probably going to win it all. But you don't. What would you, if you have a deficiency, would you rather have that deficiency defensively or offensively? See what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably depends on who else is on the floor because you're probably always going to have both. You know, it it goes back to why are the NBA playoffs so star driven? Well, because somebody's strength, you know, whether it's LeBron or Jordan, you know, whoever you want to pick, um, overcomes somebody else's weakness. Dennis Rodman couldn't shoot. Well, that's okay. He wouldn't get in the shots. There were other guys who could shoot, you know, so you can cover up either one. But there were other guys who couldn't defend at a high level. You know, Kukoc wasn't a good defender, but he would take the fourth or fifth, a lot of times the fourth or fifth best offensive player. He didn't get tested in the same way. But now, because it's it's still about matchups, but the matchups aren't set in stone because, you you know, you're switching everything. And so... I guess, I guess it would come down to a coach's mindset, possibly a player's mindset too, about whether you'd be, rather have a weakness offensively or a weakness defensively. Uh, you know, if you're Mike D'Antoni, you approach the game from an offensive uh, mindset. So that would influence which one you would pick. Um, you know, who wins depends on uh, who has the best, who's the best player. I mean, LeBron, have any, has anyone really sat around and talked about all his weaknesses? I mean, you'll talk about Harden. He's not that good a defender. You can go at him. Maybe you can get him in foul trouble a little bit. But LeBron, well, there's a reason he went to the finals eight straight years. You know, there really weren't weaknesses. He's what Locke was just talking about, this 6'9 guy who can, who can handle the ball like a six-foot point guard. You know, he really, he really can. He, he's so athletic, he can challenge shots at the rim and block shots like a center. He really can play all five positions. And you've got to find a guy who's really dialed in where winning really matters and you don't lose the focus after a while. You know, LeBron stayed dialed in. Shaq was great, but he clearly lost the focus and didn't want to be in great shape after a while. You know, so and he's still got four championships, so that's nothing to sneeze at. LeBron's at three. Uh, he got the four championships, but, you know, we can all sit around all day. Oh, Shaq could have gotten a fifth, or he could have gotten a sixth. He and Kobe could have, you know, well, blah, no, blah, it blah. Was the, it was the media's fault. They drove them oh, okay. apart. Oh, yeah. Didn't you just read that? Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, blah, 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 blah. No. No, that's, you didn't read that? He just yes, said that. but no. Who did he <laughs> speak to? He spoke to the Saints. And he said that it was the media, media that, that drove, drove them apart, apart yeah. that they could have won. And we all think that they left titles out on the table. I think everybody agrees to that. But I was surprised to learn that it was my fault. It wasn't his <laughs> fault. You made him eat more. Yeah. So that's the world we live in. It's your fault that I'm in this situation. Not my fault. It's your fault. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that literally today. Somebody's going to tell me that it's my fault that they're in the situation that they're in. We know that. That's the way That's the way the world works these days. I mean, you, we can get all the data we want. That's 
that's the essence of this. It's your fault I'm in this situation. Even though somebody over here is in the same situation and he succeeded to a high, high level. It's my fault. But I don't get the credit over here when Bob succeeds. I just get the blame when Joe doesn't succeed. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody believed in him. <laughs> Interesting thing. But back to basketball, I'm thinking that going forward, I'm going to want, if I'm choosing, I'm going to choose deficiency on defense. I'm going to want my guys to be prolific offensively because I think this is somewhat of an uneducated mind here when it comes to basketball. I don't pretend to have all the answers by any stretch, but I think that it's easier or more uh, possible to play team defense to cover up, but it's harder to play team offense to cover up because if I have somebody out there and if I have multiples who can't shoot, then I am in a world of hurt, which is why it's really amazing what the Jazz have been able to do the last couple of years because they basically at all times had two non-shooters out on the floor with Gobert and Favors. And yeah, they were able to, to have some benefits to that, but offensively, I think the way the league is going, that you've got to have those guys to have to give you firepower. And it's easier to cover up defensively than it is for non-shooters offensively. I think that's true, and I think that's why what you say is what a lot of coaches and GMs think, which is why we've seen NBA scores trend the way we've seen NBA scores trend. You know, the, the, the 91-86 game doesn't happen very often. The 111-104 game, that happens all the time. Uh, so scoring's trended up, and I think it's for the reasons that you point out. And I would, I'd look at another thing, too. You know, it's, the, it's how good three-point shooters have become. Because if you're really a good three-point shooter and you struggle defensively, um, you know, Steph Curry's not a big guy, right? There are a lot of matchups where he's going to be at a disadvantage. And... People shoot over him, so he's really got to be up in their space. And if that enables him to go around him and you know get a layup or a dunk or get a layup or dunk or free throws for somebody else, that's two points. But Steph's going to go down to the other end of the floor, and he's either going to hit a three or he's going to get a three for somebody else, and Clay Thompson's going to make it. And if you keep trading three for two, well, you know how that's going to work out. So with the emphasis on three-point shooting, the guy who can't defend who gets beat for a layup, I mean, it's still not good if you're giving up a high-percentage shot, but three beats two. I can't argue that. Yeah. So as we keep seeing the number of threes go up and the number of made threes go up, then you're willing to you know take a hit on the defensive end of the floor. James Harden isn't the greatest defender ever, but he gets to the free throw line at a crazy rate. I was looking at some of those free throw numbers Locke was talking about, and Harden this year was up at like 11 and a half free throws a game. And Antetokounmpo had gotten to 10. Speaking of another guy who's got real size, who handles the ball like a guard, I mean, he's, when he's coming down floor, it's all elbows and knees and where's he going? You, you can't stay in front of him. That's why the, the coaches use that phrase, you've got to build the wall. No, he, he'll go around any one guy. Now, if you have three guys shoulder to shoulder, he might pull up. You know, you get three or four guys back, that could slow him down. But that's what it takes. Yeah, but I mean, you're picking the extremes. You've gone with LeBron and Nantes Tacumbo. <laughs> yeah, right. And Harden. Harden on these guys. You're not going to build your team uh, on those guys, most likely. If you get one of them, you're fortunate. You got to find ways. 
to figure out ways to win without those guys. Just about anybody can figure out ways to win with those guys. It's finding ways to get the maximum out of whatever talent you have on your team. And you have to have superstars. Yes, that's for sure. And they just you do not win. You In some cases, you only need one. Maybe. I don't know anymore. But, you know, you're looking at Nowitzki. It was Nowitzki and, and uh, old Sean Marion and Jason Kidd. Yeah. That's why LeBron will never su- surpass Jordan in my mind. Because there's no way Jordan is losing to Nowitzki and uh, 37-year-old Jason Kidd. It's just not happening. It's would It would not happen under any circumstance. And so that's why I give the, the nod to MJ. Nothing against LeBron. It's more about MJ. Uh, but finding other ways to win the superstar obviously is the absolute must you have to have that to win an nba title this is no question about that and it's like in baseball you must have outstanding pitching you're not going to bludgeon the other team to death and win a world series you're going to do it by some timely hitting and having great pitching and great defense that's the pattern to win the recipe to win it's there it was there whenever it'll be there whenever in basketball i think that obviously the superstar is something that you must have and if you can have more than them more than one i should say you're going to be in a much better position but you end up in basketball it's crazy we've seen a number of role players come up huge and just make huge shots now i would say too and in a high level role player is is kyrie irving what is he in my mind is he somebody that if i put all my chips on the table and say you're our guy are you going to get there i don't think you're going to get there but if i've got the superstar then i need somebody like him and he's easier to find than the superstar too i get that and I don't know necessarily that the Jazz have the superstar. They've got a couple of good players. They're very good players, high-level elite players. But are they up at that level? Now, one of them is only 23 years old, so I'm not going to put a ceiling on him. But in order for him to get where he wants to go, i got to make sure that I can maximize my talent around him. And that's where I'm saying to be able to have four other guys who can make shots at all times, I think, can really help Mitchell. Well, I think we were seeing that, and we hadn't gotten to see it in the playoffs, and now we're not going to see him with Bogdanovich around him. But, you know, certainly offensively, this team looked very different than it did in the two previous years. The win percentage was up a little bit, but, you know, it's what we were talking about with uh, college football coaches. You know, it's, it's easier to go from four wins to seven wins than it is to go from seven wins to ten wins. And in the NBA, it's easier to get from 40 wins to 50. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to go from 50 wins to 60. And we'll never know how the end of that schedule would have played out exactly, obviously. But I think they were going to do better. I think they were going to end up in the low to mid-50s, which would have been a good win total. But if you go back and you look at the – and you can find this on the web pretty quickly. If you look at the Jazz list of seasons, you know, even, even going back to the Stockton-Malone eras, going back to the Williams and Boozer eras, you know, getting to 50 is one thing and getting to 55. But if you're really going to be a championship contender, you're probably not stuck in the low to mid-50s. You know, you're, you're probably at 60 wins – or you've got championship experience, you took your foot off the gas, you won 57 or 58, but you were still a championship team, but you were, you were pacing yourself you know, to get to the 60. The Jazz have three 60-win seasons, and in two of those three years, they got to the NBA Finals. So that's really where you have to, 
you have to be if you want to be back in the finals. And this yeah, team was many, getting there, but it wasn't there. It was better than it had been with the defensive-minded teams you're talking about. I think they were going to end up plus, depending on the year you're comparing it, plus three to five wins, and that that's significant. But it's still, you know, there's still work to be done. How many 61 teams are we having now? Uh, depends on the year. Uh, we can pick a random year and uh, and see, so that we don't. Uh, I, I think. And, of course, we're not going to do it now because, as Yacht just said, the web is down. But I think we're having a couple. You know, the, I mean, when the Warriors won, they were 60-win teams. Um, and I don't think they were the only ones. Because I think it's harder now than ever. I actually think that there's more talent in the league. And, you know, I get I know some people accuse me of going back because I picked the 80s Lakers as the best team that I've ever seen. OK, fine. But I think the league is better today than it was then. So I think it's harder to get that. I think if you're in the 55 range, in my mind, you're a legitimate contender. Now, recognizing only two teams can get to the final, but that doesn't mean that I can need to put a number on the number of legitimate contenders. The number of legitimate contenders can vary from year to year. I'm not going to cap it at two or three, knowing that there's only going to be one each from the conference. But I still think there's more than that. I think that, uh, t- in my mind, in the West right now, go back to March 11th, I think there was at least three, if not four or five, that could have had a shot to get to the final out of the West. Yeah, I don't see it. I think there's two. I think it was going to be the Lakers or the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're sleeping on Denver. Denver's got a lot of talent. And I think they were capable. I really do, especially with more experience, which they would have had because the history of the league is to stumble, fall, overcome it. And they, I think they're on their way. I think that's a lot of talent right there. I, I just I can't I can't say definitively that the Clippers are better than the Nuggets. I can't, I just can't do it, man. See, I could see the Nuggets taking down a team in the way that the pairings would have matched up. It would have been the Clippers. I just don't see that I can I can see them over the course of a month taking down both of them. But yeah, it's not, uh, you know, we're not going to get a real test this year. It'll be different. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I do have right, the standings right. from a year ago. There was one 60-win team. It was Milwaukee. Toronto won the title with 58 wins and beat Golden State, who had 57. Right, and that's playing into my theory that it's harder to get to 60 because there's more depth in the league. There's better teams. The teams at the bottom are pretty good. Most teams have at least one or two really good players that you would love to have on your team, no matter who's you, what team you have. There's players out there that you would love to have on your team. There's And there's you know, maybe some teams or one or two teams that are, you know, the Knicks and... Oh, the Knicks, Absolutely. but see to your point, the Knicks had one with Porzingis, and then they trade him to Dallas. Oh, well, yeah. Well, and so, <laughs> so, thank you, New York. Thanks I mean, for I would shipping lo- a guy west. I'd have to look at the schedule or look at the rosters uh, to make sure I'm not missing anybody. But it's harder to get to that 60-win plateau. That's what I was saying. Uh, And I look at these teams 
and there's some really good players, man. I'm not. I'm not even ruling out. I wouldn't rule out. You could totally would rule out Houston. I mean, Houston has been getting to the conference final, and now you just eliminated them. I have a hard time buying that. They that were, I just yeah, they were going well, terribly when the season stopped. Now maybe that's what they needed. You know, Harden plays big minutes, and maybe there were guys playing with injuries, and we didn't know a lot about them. Or even if we knew a little bit about them, they were more serious. Uh, we'll see if they get to hit the reset button. Maybe they'll just come back and, and, and struggle. Yeah, it's not so much this year. That's why I said if you went back to March 11th, because mm-hmm. this has all sorts of funkiness that we can't really anticipate. We'll see in several weeks when we get to putting things normal because eventually the things will be normal. And so that's why I went in that direction. I don't maybe maybe things play out when we get to this season that we're going to have in postseason. Maybe they'll play out that the la- the lapse of playing time won't matter and the best will manifest itself as if it never stopped. It's a possibility, right? I don't know that. But we'll see. But I was just going on a regular season basis i i think it's harder than ever to get there especially in the conference of the jazz i'm not so much focused on the east i'm focused more on the west because there's really no point in worrying about what the east is doing if you're coming at it from a jazz perspective you got to get out of the west and if the east sucks well there's no sense whining about it or if it's awesome it's no sense worrying about it either way you got to find a way to get out of the West. That's the goal is to get out of the West and whoever you face, that's who you face in the East. And I think right now it's harder than ever, even though I'm recognizing before years ago that there were some teams that I would say, particularly the Lakers, obviously is what I've been saying. I've been on record that that that's in my mind, the best team that I've ever seen. I understand that, but the depth is so much better, I think. Maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm just more in the in the biasy of the recency. But I just see so many teams having quality players that you would love to have on your roster, man. And it's going to be hard to do. Well, it's only going to get harder going forward because under your theory, which, you know, Denver's got a lot of talent, you know, there, there's some key guys there who are young and yeah. should be at least as good. But I think the more playoff experience you get, the better you get. Right, and that's and what so they're going to get. Denver should be better in the postseason a year from now. If the Lakers and the Clippers are the same and the Warriors are back, Houston, Utah, Oklahoma City, trying to get to the top four, good luck. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Spoke with David Locke earlier this morning about the Jazz. He's getting back into basketball mode. It's on. July 30, circle it. Yeah, it used to be July 31, but Woj reports are moving it up a day. Must be some scheduling and or TV broadcast issues. Whatever, it's a day earlier. That's positive. 
Uh, Ryan Lacey, former Utah cornerback, is going to join us next. He's been on Twitter with allegations uh, talking about Morgan Scally and some of the language that Ryan Lacey says was used, racial slurs. Uh, we'll talk with Ryan Lacey about that. He's not a guy who's real active on Twitter, PK. You go check out his feed. Uh, he'll go a month at a time without tweeting out a thing. But uh, lately he's, uh, he's been there. He saw the story and he jumped right in. Well, six days ago, he said, quote, Morgan Scally called me an N-word that ends in A. I don't care what you think. And then in all caps, end of story. Well, that's explosive. I mean, that's just no other way around it. Yeah. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I wasn't there. I have questions. I appreciate that he's willing to come on and field our questions. Yeah. I don't want to throw him softball questions, but I also don't want to just accuse him of lying either way because I don't know. I know Morgan. I don't want Morgan to be fired. I've made my thoughts known about Morgan. I believe he's one heck of a person. I've told him that. I've told him that since this stuff has uh, broke and we've corresponded. And so I still believe that. Uh, But Ryan Lacey, if he's going to make these statements, he deserves to be heard. And I don't know that he's spoken anywhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe he has. I'm not sure. I don't know if he has. I appreciate his willingness to come on. Now, I've had people at the U impugn his reputation. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say at the U, but associated out there with the football program uh, that they've said, I I wouldn't believe what he says. Now, I don't know. I don't know him personally. I am. Kids come and go. And I can't even really remember. I'm like a teacher. My wife is a teacher, you know, and she's been teaching in the district for your uh, Jordan and then Canyons for a number of years. And we'll be out in the community and kids will come up to her. Oh, I'm just going to add you, blah, blah, blah. And some she remembers and some she doesn't. I mean, it's it's impossible to remember all of them. Uh, but nevertheless, he has said that and he's willing to stand up and be accounted for that, which which I think is a good thing. But, yeah, he's uh, he's taken a lot of abuse on Twitter, apparently, because I'm looking at another one. Two days after he had on the Twitter feed that Morgan said what he said, yeah, Ryan also tweeted out, I'm getting threats now. I am not going to be sorry for telling the truth. So uh, he's getting ready to turn 30. He was playing like late in the Mountain West era, early in the Pac-12. So it's been a few years. Uh, I, I'm with you. You know, the players, they run together and, and you start hearing guys' names. You got to look up exactly when they were there. Uh, I don't think I had that much interaction with him. Maybe, maybe interviewed him a couple times. Uh, we'll find out what he has to say next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.